The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, we had some exciting times last week in the book of Acts. We heard about uh, Paul raising Eutychus from the dead after he fell out of a third-story window during a, a sermon, and Paul went right back to preaching to the sunrise, and it's exciting to continue in the book of Acts. This is Alex McFarland, and another wonderful week of Exploring the Word. We appreciate you listening. And uh, Bert, I'm so glad to be with you, and I have to set up the context a little bit. I greet you from the mountains of South Carolina. I'm at a camp called Awanata Valley. We've got our fourth of seven youth camps this summer, and I just moments ago got through speaking to a hundred kids about creation versus evolution and um, refuting Charles Darwin and talking to the kids about the book of Genesis. So if it sounds noisy where I am, Bert, that's because I'm at summer camp. Well, it's supposed to be that way. Listen, if it wasn't <laughs> noisy at summer camp, I think there would be nobody there. And uh, hey, yeah. listen, I know the church where I've been, uh, Interim Auburn Baptist Church, man, they've had their youth camp, they've had their children's camp, and it's been great. And we hope everybody's had a great summer vacation, Bible school summer camps and all the things that help you to know Christ better. It's getting close to when school starts back. They started yeah. earlier these days, and so we are excited about that. But praise God for all that God's done in the summer camps, in yours, the ones that you have led and be a part of, Alex, but all the other ones all over the United States, brother. Well, amen. And I want to give a big shout-out. There's a father and son here that came from Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City, that area, uh, th and they heard it on Exploring the Word, and also several, I haven't got to meet everybody because we just started today, from Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Now, praise yeah. God, all the way from Wisconsin and Oklahoma, all the way over here to South Carolina, because they want the kids to know biblical worldview and defending the faith, and I praise God that uh, we're able to teach it. And so, Bert, what a joy. The reason I say that, I mean, we hear a lot of bad news, and, and to be sure, I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about, but I want to tell you, these middle school and high schoolers, they soak up truth eagerly, and they, we, we lay out how to defend God and country and I'm telling you, Bert, these kids are all about it. Amen. And we want their tribe to increase. That's what we're trying. And uh, so all this youth camp that's going on, I know Mickey and Will Addison has been one up in North Carolina last week and a great report about what God took place. And again, most of them are equipping them and equipping them to stand in the evil day. And you have to do that to refute the 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 secular worldview, mm. the wokeness. And so you do that by what? Going to the Word of God. The Word of God is reliable. The Word of God is true. It is, it is settled in heaven. And that truth will set you free. If you want to be free, you come under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's real freedom. And so we're praying that people would even do that this week on this radio broadcast. And Alex, again, that brings us to Acts chapter 20, verse 13. As you said, Eutychus has been, man, he has been brought back to life, and they're 
praising the Lord. But then, verse 13 of chapter 20, Paul takes leave. And if you look at that, you'll see all the towns. He's taken a ship. But notice the pronoun we. When you see the we in the book of Acts, that means Luke is with him. And Luke's going to be with him all the way through the rest of this chapter. Chapter 21, he's going to be there most of the time with Paul. And so this is a great time. And the reason I set that up, when you come to the place where he's in Miletus and he asked the Ephesian elders to come over, we have the only time in the book of Acts where Paul takes time to encourage leaders. All the other times he's trying to get people to know Jesus Christ as Savior. But in, and, and this was probably written before of anything that Luke could have looked at uh, for as his writing to the Thessalonians, to the church at Galatia. Uh, and it sa- when we get there, I want, you, I want to ask you, does it sound a lot like Paul's letters? This is a sermon that he writes that Luke takes down. I believe he was just copying down as much as he could right. about what, what Paul said. And so we want to get to there. But he goes through these towns, and then uh, Luke picks him up, and they go on board, and they make their way all the way to Miletus. Now, that's the important part in verse 15. They go through right. these towns, and it's just touching base. It doesn't seem like a lot of ministry takes place. But notice what verse 16 says, Alex. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. He has set his face toward Jerusalem. Now, he's going to get plenty of warnings. Don't go, Paul. Don't go, Paul. But he's going to go to Jerusalem. Sounds like he had a word from the Lord, and he wasn't going to back down, Alex. Well, that's true. And, you know, Bert, you and I have taught before from Acts chapter 20. And in the next few verses, and and you're right, it does sound like one of his letters. In fact, it's almost like so many of these journeys and the ministries, plural, that he engaged in were kind of like preparatory work for the letters he would write. But let me read this, if I could. It says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. And Bert, when I read 19 and following, I think about this. I I wish that could be said of, of me and of all of us. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, Bert, a good minister will keep back nothing from people that need to be uh, ministered, reached, shaped. Um, We serve the Lord like 19 and 20, serving the Lord with all humility and keeping back nothing, but doing what we do for the benefit of the of the followers. That's that's our calling, isn't it? It really is. It's called equipping the saints. That's what he said that they were to do when he writes the book of Ephesians. He says that the pastors, the leaders, to equip the saints, that they might do what? That they might do the work of the ministry. Who? The leaders? No, everybody in the church. The responsibility of the leader is to demonstrate it in actions, teach it in the pulpit or the lectern, and demonstrate the power of God. So, Alex, you're exactly right. Notice the word in verse 19, serving. 
here he is. He's a servant. A servant will not hold it back. A servant gives all that he has, holding nothing back, even in the danger of the Jews that were plotting against him. And so he did it publicly. He did it privately. He was consistent. Now, I love that. He says, Mm. I haven't told anybody in Ephesus anything different than what I told them in Philippi. I did it all the way through. But this last encouragement is for the church at Ephesus. Again, remember part of his missionary strategy was find a big, bigger uh, community like Ephesus. And from there, it be a center part and going out like ripples in a, when you throw a, a pebble into the pond he, in Ephesus. Yes. He's po- pouring that, that information, holding nothing back. And then people are going to take that and not just keep it in Ephesus, Alex, but it's going to spread throughout all the area. That was Paul's strategy, and it worked. Well, and there's a public ministry and a private ministry, or at least personal one-on-one. He said, I've taught you publicly from house to house, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's uh, impartiality. I mean, Bert, when I was coming up in the 80s, um, there was the phrase capturing a city for Christ. And by all people, by every means possible. And that really goes back to Paul and these original missionary journeys, doesn't it? It really does. That's what he would do. You follow those. And if you get a map out, and most Bibles had a map at the back, and it will have Paul's missionary journeys. And you'll see that if you can get that out. Lay it beside the book of Acts. You'll find out he spent a good bit of time when he could in these major cities equipping them to carry out the Great Commission. And that's exactly what Jesus had given his apostles to do, his disciples to do. And then when Paul was called on the road to Damascus and then he was taught in Arabia, guess what? He continued that. And Alex, now see what he says here. In verse 22, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which happened to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. He knows what's awaiting according to what's been told him. But I want to go back to that phrase, bound in the spirit. Do you remember on his second missionary journey when the spirit hindered him from going further north? And then the Spirit called him over at the Macedonia call to come over to Macedonia. I I would just say this. Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit of God. How many times do we see the Holy Spirit of God intervening in Paul's life and saying, this is where you want to go, this is who you want to see. And so here he's bound in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, knowing that what awaits him is probably persecution and difficulty, Alex. Yeah, I mean, back in 19, he talked about tears, temptations, and and frankly, dangers. And you know, where the Spirit had prevented him previously, now the Spirit compels him, bound. You know, it's interesting, uh, it really does mean compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And no minister really does. Let me just encourage you folks, um, maybe you are being called to uh, go on a mission trip or something that is maybe even less daunting than that, serve on a committee or whatever. Look, 
Obey God. Don't obsess about the things that might or might not befall you. God is faithful. Uh, But here was Paul's priority, verse 23. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, I don't care if, if it stretches me. I just want the Spirit of God to bring souls to salvation in every city. Now, Bert, verse 24, I've yes. always loved. Amen. Paul says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Uh, he was unshakable and undaunted, wasn't he? He was. None of these what? Warnings, difficulties that they're giving me, they do not move me. I am bound by the Spirit to complete the task. We'll be back with more of Acts chapter 20 right after this break. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run the things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better Welcome life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex, and we're going through the book of Acts. Alex was talking about the camps that he has been, is in, and will be in, man. (laughs) But let me tell you about one that Jan and I do. It's Fishbowl Retreat. Not very many places left. We got some more folks that that reserve places this weekend, but we got a few slots left for the Fishbowl Retreat. It's in September the 26th, 27th, and 28th. That is a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's at River Bend Retreat Center in Glen Rose, Texas. And if you're, you want your pastor to go, you need to ask him and say, hey, could we send you to this retreat? It's going to be great. Dr. Jeff Shreve and his wife Debbie is going to be there. Jen and I will be there. We'll be sharing and, and teaching, and, and hopefully it will be helpful people. And it is repairingthefoundations.net. That's where you can go to, repairingthefoundations.net. And you can go to the retreat site there. It'll say Fishbowl Retreat, and you can get that link, and you can register. So that is September the 26th, 27th, and 28th, the Fishbowl Retreat at Riverbend Retreat Center in Glen Rose, Texas. Mm. We hope to see a lot of pastors and their wives there. Jen and I love to do that. We've been called to encourage pastors and their wives, Alex. So we're looking forward to it, brother. Praise God. Well, you do a great work, and it's always a blessing, folks. I've been to a couple of the fishbowl retreats with Bert and Jan, and Bert, you really are being used by God. You and Jan are being used by God, not only through exploring the Word, obviously, but through the fishbowl ministry and your traveling and preaching. Uh, you're encouraging a lot of people and especially the pastoral families of America. And, brother, I applaud you. Well, we love doing that. The three loves that God has really just put into my heart is, as, you know, I came and went out a full-time pastorial and came here, was one, the Word of God, and then the family, and that is where we invest in the, in the pastors and wives and other couples. And the other one was missions. And Nathan, our oldest son, and I have a missions program every weekend exploring missions. You've been on that as well. We've interviewed mm-hmm. on that as well. And so what a life. I'm able to do those three things that are just so real to my heart 
that I invested in 40 years of ministry and now 11 years here at AFR and what a difference it is. And so we find out Paul investing himself, going to Jerusalem where he says, all these things are coming upon me. But he says in verse 24, and I love this, right? There's so many here I love. So I guess we're just talking again and again. But notice this, that I may finish my race with joy. Alex, with joy. Don't lose the joy of ministry. Don't, and that joy is Jesus Christ. No, and let me say it, and it's a cliche, but it's a real cliche. Knowing him and making him known. First of all, you got to know him. Paul knows him. He met him on the road to Damascus. His life was completely changed. He has gotten to know him better and better. <clears throat> and now it's with joy that he's making others come to know Christ. Mm. Uh, we need to finish well, don't we? Well, we do. And, Bert, a, a phrase in verse 24 that has always been so special to me and really speaks to me, Paul says, you know, hey, ministry— Pouring out yourself, it's not easy, it might even be dangerous. But he says, none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself. Bert, heaven forbid that people are lost, ministry is not accomplished, uh, because we did count our lives dear to ourselves. Jim Elliott, and I know you'll know that oh, name, man. the great missionary, yeah. he said that, you know, your life is like sand. If you hold it loosely, you can retain it in the palm of your hand, but if you grip it, it'll slip right through your fingers. And look, here, think about it, folks. Our time is not our own. Our finances, what money we might have, it, it's all God's anyway. Even our kids, let me say, mom and dad, if your son or daughter is called into evangelism or called to the mission field, um, and it's of God, let them go. Because our life is not our own, Bert. And Paul changed the world. We are riding on the ripple effect of Paul's obedience 2,000 years removed because he did not believe that his life was his own. His life was simply something to be laid on the altar of Jesus' great commission. Alex, you said, you know, we're all brothers and sisters because Adam and Eve were the first man and the first woman. So we all come from them. Let me just share this. All of us have some way come from the day of Pentecost when those men in heaven. Can you imagine if God lets us see the connection, how Bert Harper heard uh, Billy Langley preach. He was my pastor when when I was saved and how Billy Langley, who 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 led him to the Lord and then who led that person to the Lord. Wouldn't that would that not be something to see? that connection going all the way back to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when those apostles saw the risen Lord and they went out and turned the world upside down. Uh, Listen, what giants we are working with and, and the shoulders we're standing on. And he said this in verse 25, and indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching uh, gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Mm. He says, I know that this is the last time. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of all the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare you the whole counsel of God. 
What a statement. He says, I'm not going to see you anymore, but I have held nothing back. He's already said that, right? And now he said, I want you to know I'll be innocent of all the blood of the men that I've spoken to because I have spoken the gospel. What is it? In the latter part of verse 24, the gospel of the grace of God. Alex, Amen. we're still to share that same message, aren't we? Amen. Amen. And like you said in verse 26, I mean, whether or not they believe, that's on them. That's between them and the Lord. But Paul said, look, I, I'm clear of their blood because I did not hold anything back. Now, verse 28 is a word uh, we know to ministers, but it's really to all Christians. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to, and here's what we do, feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. By the way, there's a tacit reference to the deity of Christ, because who purchased the church with his own blood? Jesus. But it calls Jesus God right here in this verse, Acts 20, 28. And remember, look at the word overseers in verse 28, and then the word purchased. Bert, here's why the church must not go woke. It's not our church to modernize. It, it, the church, the ministry, the scriptures, they belong to Jesus. Now, we might for a few short moments be overseers and stewards, but the church belongs to Christ. He bought it with his own blood, didn't he? He did. Isn't that a beautiful word, purchased? He, Hallelujah. Is, he did it. It wasn't accidental. He purchased. He came for that reason. He lived for that reason. He died for that reason, and he rose again. That is our Jesus. Now, verse 29, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, now listen, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. In other words, you're going to be taught outside and inside doctrine that is wrong. Host told to what you've heard to draw. They want to draw them away. You hold on to what you've learned and heard from me. Therefore, mm. therefore, since they're coming in, what do we do? Watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you every night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, Alex, he says, listen, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have those that are attack you without and within, but you steadfast. I've given you what you need in these three years. Remember what he said in verse 27? I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. So when you have that, are you ready to stand in the evil day? Oh, you should be. Isn't that something, to stand in the evil day? You know, i got to—forgive me for going backwards, but the word purchased. <laughs> um, okay, I've said this before. As I travel all over America, every now and then I'll go in a pawn shop because— I, I've one of the things I've done kind of as a hobby fixed up old guitars and every now and then I'll be in a pawn shop and buy an old guitar and ship it home and you know Angie is thrilled about that whenever <laughs> but I was in a pawn shop and there was a bin of a bunch of old broken stuff and you know in a pawn 
shop, they'll loan you money and then you come back and you buy your thing back. But I was looking in this bin and there was some, there was a, a, a drill and I, I looked at it, but it was broken. And there was just a bunch of old broken stuff discarded. And guess what? The sign on it was a big wire basket, probably about three feet by three feet. It said simply one word, unredeemed. Oh, wow. And I thought about that. And folks, you don't have to be unredeemed. You, you're broken. Jesus will fix you. Amen. You feel like you don't have any worth or value. No, he's willing to purchase you. He shed his blood and he's ready to wash your sin away. And I was looking at this pile of, you know, stuff that no doubt was going to be thrown out. It was unredeemed. Praise God, our Savior is the one who is the redeemer of souls. And he's as close by as a prayer. If you turn to Jesus today, he will come into your life and you will experience fulfillment you didn't even know was possible. Amen. Alex, when you were saying that, redeemed, I could not help but think of the Old Testament prophet Hosea and his wife Gomer Mm. as he would redeem her on the slave market, as he would go and pay the price that was needed in order to bring her unto himself. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has redeemed us, paid the price. Now listen to this. We're trying to get to the end of chapter uh, 20. Now listen to this because this is just good stuff. Remember, this is what he is saying to a group of believers. We've never had this much detail in the book of Acts about Paul speaking to the saved. He's He's always presenting the gospel like at Athens, presenting the gospel in the synagogues. But here we get a little bit of sample what he would preach to the disciples that came out of those synagogues, and he would set up the church. Now here's what he says to them. I have coveted no one, verse 33, no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands, and I can just see him lifted up his hands, he's speaking to them, have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way. Now, underline that. If you underline in your Bible, he says, I have shown you. I not only taught you, but I've demonstrated to you by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul, you know what Paul has said? It's been a joy. You remember that word he used way back there that he said, I might complete this race with joy. So Alex, he's sharing with them the secret of joy is what? Giving to others mm. and blessing them. That's the joy. And he says, my joy is seeing you complete the task that I've started in you. And so he's laid out what they need to do, hasn't he? Well, he really has. And, and let me say this. You know, Jesus, uh, do you remember that? There's um, a scripture that says, who was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Um, and I guess that's in pray in 1 Corinthians. But here's the thing. Jesus is our example, and he gave his life. He sent the Spirit he purchased us from out of the bondage of sin. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when, when we're giving, for one thing, we're obeying God, but, and we're acknowledging God as our source, but we're following Jesus' example, aren't we? We are. And, and what an example he was. And Paul is following that. We can follow that. 
he was admonishing the Ephesians to to follow that example that started from Jesus Christ and has been passed on. And so verse 36 through 38, as we come to the close of chapter 20, it says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Now, man, can you imagine that prayer meeting? And then it says, Then they all wept freely, fell on Paul's neck, kissed him, sorry most of all, for the words which he spoke, which were that he would see his face no more. Mm-hmm. Now, Alex, that they, they love Paul. Now, how many years had he spent with the Ephesians? Three years? Yes. That's yes. the most that we can recognize in the book of Acts that he's, he spent with any church. I know he spent a year and a half at Corinth, but he doubled that in Ephesus. Well, that's true. And back in verse 25, he had said, you, you will see my face no more. And it says in verse 38 that they sorrowed because of this. But uh, I think he was just being realistic. And let me just say that, um, look, you know, we, we have those around us that we care about so deeply, our family members and spouses that we love. But one of the healthiest things you can do is prepare for the day that you're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we don't love supremely, but Bert, um, every human relationship in this life eventually is going to have to say goodbye, at least temporarily. And so understand that for the Christian, we don't have to grieve, grieve like those who have no hope. Amen. And notice what they did in last verse 38. After they did that, they accompanied him to the ship. They said, man, we're going to stay with you as long as we can, but we're going to send you off with our prayers and our support. That's exactly what they did. Well, we're going to take phone calls with Bible questions. That phone number is 888-589-8840. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Come what may, we are in his care. This is Alex and Bert, so honored that you're listening to Exploring the Word. And uh, it's time for the phone calls. The number, by the way, if you want to call in with a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you. And again, I appreciate your prayers. I'm on the road for the next several weeks. And uh, if you want to learn about the summer camps we're doing, the website for those is equipretreat.org. We do have some space at our camp in New Jersey that's coming up, but uh, go to the website, equipretreat.org, and I thank you for your prayers. Well, Bert, on the phone calls, where should we go first? Let's go to the great state of Pennsylvania. Well, I think it's a commonwealth. I'm not sure. But let's go to R.J. in Pennsylvania. R.J., is it a commonwealth or a state? I know Virginia is a commonwealth. Hello, Bert and Alex. Alex, you got about three years on me. I'm 57 years old. Um, I have a pen. I'm going to make it as quick as I can. I've got a paper book of Carla Faye Tucker on death row. She explains in detail how Jesus leads you into the leads you to the Father. Now, my other thing I'm really confused about is um, I've heard uh, preachers say um, absent 
from the body, present with the Lord. Now, uh, I've heard other preachers say also, when Jesus returns, he'll, he'll return with his shout. The angels will sing the harp, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Dead in Christ will rise first. Can you help me understand that part? Wow, thanks. Great question. You know, Bert, we have talked about that. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 8, Paul writes that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I, I believe that when a saint leaves this world, they're instantaneously in the presence of Jesus forevermore. But, Bert, the, we talk about the judgment day or the, the end times. But as I understand it, and uh, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, th- there's going to be the rapture of the church, and the believers are caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, and then the return of Christ at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, where we do return with him, uh, 10,000 times 10,000 of his saints— uh, it really, the end of time, we often speak of it as one event, but it's actually several events, isn't it, Bert? It really is. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, not in a thousand years. Now, you don't have to wait today. He And when Lazarus died, he was escorted to Abraham's bosom, the angels. So the whole idea of us having soul sleep, no, we go to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And the dead in Christ will rise first. I've said this before, and it's a little bit funny, but I agree with it. The reason the dead in Christ rise first, they got a little further to go than those of us who are alive because we're above ground. And so six more feet. That's six more feet. But we're going to be with the Lord. Now, here's the key. We're going to be with the Lord. And the catching away is going to occur. That's what the Bible. Now, there's disagreement among godly men and women to say, when is this catching away going to happen? You and I believe it's going to be seven years and then tribulation and then Armageddon, and then he comes back. But we know he's coming back, and they're two different events. You're exactly right. Well, Alex, thank you. By the way, RG, RJ, thank you from Pennsylvania. Let's go to John in Arkansas. John, welcome. How's it going, guys? Hey, how y'all doing today? Doing good. well. Doing well, man. Good deal, good deal. I, I had a, a question um, uh, because I, I myself have noticed uh, how much time Paul spent uh, with the, the Ephesians uh, while he was there. And I referenced uh, here in uh, a sermon of mine here a couple of weeks ago, I referenced um, back to uh, Acts chapter 18 uh, where it mentions the first visit to Ephesus where um, – he left uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and then he come back on the second missionary visit. And he stayed for some two years uh, or more uh, with some of the disciples. They withdrew and, and did some teaching because of the, the hardening of the hearts of some of the, the spiritual leaders there. So he withdrew with, with those disciples and, and taught and uh, said that they actually had uh, uh, spread the word all through Asia uh, during that time. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe, wasn't it uh, during that time that Paul was at Ephesus, and probably the reason why he spent so much time there, uh, wasn't Timothy uh, the the pastor of the church, quote-unquote, during that time, or did he pastor the church there at Ephesus after Paul left? 
Alex, uh, th- it is hard to read some of that. You know, Timothy was there at least some of the time. Now, was he during that whole time or not? Do you, have you read enough to, or can you put it together in Acts? I've had a hard um, time exactly knowing when and how, but John's not far off. I know that. Uh, yeah, I think Timothy came after Paul had been in Ephesus for a while. Uh but the actual chronology of it and what all he did there, um, I don't know. I have to confess I haven't studied enough to speak accurately on it. Yeah. What what you have, Paul would usually leave one of those guys with a group of people, and he would go on. Sometimes he would send them ahead, and he would stay and go on. But what he always tried to do was to make sure that they were there and that's what was unusual about paul investing that much time i think it shows you what a key uh city ephesus was alex and And, and john go ahead i have read though that um and the caller is right on this that timothy was the pastor or sometimes in ancient history books they call it the the bishop of ephesus that timothy had a permanent ministry there by the way i want to give the phone number folks if you want to call in we've got lines open you'll you'll get through probably but it's 888-589-8840 888-589-8840 okay let's go to virginia and talk to ellen ellen welcome thank you thank y'all so much um i love to read um christian books and i've recently started to wonder um about how I should handle reading the written works of fallen Christian leaders. Okay, Ellen. Let me just tell you this. And matter of fact, I was talking about this for his songwriting, uh, not just books, but songwriting. Uh, there, the truth is the truth. Amen. That's the whole idea. It's like Amen. a baptism, Alex. If someone, if I had been, and I was saved when I was 12 years old, and I've already referred to my pastor, Billy Langley, is the one that baptized me. Had he, and he did not, had he fallen away, that would have not negated my baptism being following Christ. So mm-hmm. truth is not negated by someone's fall, is it? You know, a few minutes ago, folks, Bert and I were talking, and Bert was talking about the chain of, you know, somebody led somebody and somebody led somebody, and here we are. And I was, I was going to say this, Bert. 15 minutes ago, I have a homework assignment for everybody. If you want to really be touched and moved about how important the chain of obedience is in sharing the gospel, here's the homework assignment. Go home and listen to this lovely song, Thank You, by Ray Bolts. Amen. And speaking of fallen Christian leaders, he wrote some incredible songs, and you ought to listen to Thank You. But he fell into egregious sin. But, but yeah, that song is still a true song. Bert, um, I think about my colleague that I knew very personally, Ravi Zacharias. That's who I was thinking of, Alex. And, you know, sadly, um, as far as I know, most of, maybe all of his written works were ceased circulation. The publisher was very embarrassed. Uh, but yet, Ravi wrote truth. Now, folks, we don't want to take it lightly. Falling into sin brings dishonor on Christ. Some people will fall away. It, it is, is a, a crying shame. But truth is truth. 
even if it was an imperfect vessel that proclaimed it. Ellen, we hope you that helps you. I thank you for your que- question. That is a question that is asked a whole lot, and I appreciate it. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Jim. Welcome, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not trying to get on anybody's nerves or feet, but here's my question. If you have a full-time preacher, now he's getting a full-time salary, should he call on, like, hospitals or the people in his church that can't come, or is he just there for Sunday or or what? Okay. Hey. You're asking somebody that pastored for 40 years and still Mm. doing some of it today. Let me just share this, Jim. He is to equip the saints. Equipping the saints is not doing it for them. Equipping the saints is teaching them, leading them. Uh, It's like where I am. I've started a series on apologetics, the authority of the Word of God. And I'm going to do what Alex just said he did with those youth at summer camp creation versus evolution i'm I'm preaching that getting that ready because school's starting back and all these kids need to be equipped to help answer that but listen uh he should be a part of it he should not be the only guy alex uh he you know go to jesus sent him out two by two uh take that guy with you to the hospital take that guy and demonstrate how to make a visit uh knock on that door of newcomers in your community and uh, it's it's not good to go out by yourself anyway these days, is it? No. Uh, and l- let me say that uh, just I-, I thank God that Macedonia Baptist, where I got saved, uh, we we were all taught visitation. And I'm not a pastor right now, but um, I still make a whole bunch of hospital visits. And I don't know, I think part of the gospel, you're, you're an evangelist, you're a discipler, you're a minister to encourage those that need some help and prayer. I mean, Bert, I, would, I know you're not pastoring full-time, but I bet you still do a lot of ministry and visits, don't you? I, it comes with the territory. I'm still in the place where I, I've been in northeast Mississippi uh, the whole time, the 50 years I've been in ministry, and so... Uh, yes, it, it is part of who you are. And uh, so, I, uh, Jim, uh, they, they should be a part of it. But, again, they're not the sole ones. They don't hire him to visit. They don't hire him to do the funerals and weddings. That's part of the territory. It is to feed the flock of God and equip the saints. And you do that by sharing in the ministry. I, hey, by the way, that fishbowl retreat that Jenny and I will do, we'll be talking about things like that. So send your pastor and his wife to the fishbowl retreat. Go to repairingthefoundations.net and register now. Next, we want to go to Ohio and talk to Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. Hello. How you doing? Doing well. Good. My, what my statement is that a young girl who has given her life to God, she understands that same-sex marriage is wrong. And her mother is getting involved in that, and she wants her to participate in that. She said she let her mother know that that's wrong. I really don't want to do it. I didn't really know how to answer that being in her house, whatever, and things of that nature. I told her I would get back to her. 
Okay. Wow. Things that preachers and teachers are having to deal with these days, Alex. I didn't have to do that 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me say sometimes it's the parent trying to correct the child and sometimes it's the child trying to correct the parent. But uh, no, I as a Christian, I just don't think we can participate in any way in same-sex marriages, even Bert, even attending. Uh, th- this is such an attack on one of the greatest pictures of the gospel God yes. ever gave, which is the family. And um, I've told many a parent when they'll say, you know, well, my, my son or daughter that's doing X says either you accept me or you don't love me. And I said, well, if they're going to define love, the litmus test for love is that you deny Jesus. Uh, sorry, that's a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, my counsel is don't participate. I would too, Tommy. Let me just say, suggest her to go to her mother and say, I love you. I care for you but I cannot be a part of this. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's what I'd suggest and say, I want to love you and care for you, but I cannot do this. This is a bridge too far. I agree with Alex on that. Tom, Father, I pray for Tommy. I pray for this young girl that he's counseling, that you'd give them strength, wisdom, and courage, Father, that they would follow your direction and your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tommy. We got time for one more call, and it's Joanne in Kansas. Welcome, Joanne. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. I just have a quick question. My family has been doing a Bible study, and we're on First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. We've been reading out of the New International Version, and it says that now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So from the Lord, with the Lord not ever being evil and tolerating evil, our commentary indicates that he just allowed it, but it it uses the word from. So I was hoping that maybe you could help me explain that. Alex, I ain't got a lot of time, so I agree with that. Let me share with you a real quick example, and that's Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart, but when Pharaoh hardens his heart, God gave him another chance, which hardens his heart even more. That's why it said God hardened his heart. Here, I, I think it is him withdrawing and the, and that evil spirit coming in, Alex. Yeah, uh, and th- this is a hard thing, but it's clear when people turn away from God, as Saul had, uh, when the spirit hasn't filled somebody up, a lot of evil, sin, and darkness will. Let's make sure there's no room for anything in our soul, but the true and living God. Bird, it's been great to be on Exploring the Word today, and uh, we're going to do it again tomorrow. How we about are. that? Hey, hope that camp keeps on going good up in South Carolina in the Praise hills. God. Linda, you. Eric, we'd have left to gotten to you today, but hope you can get through tomorrow as we continue in the book of Acts in chapter 21. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.